Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with women in the arts. Good morning, you're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio, your Saturday morning fix of art, politics, news and trash from a feminist perspective. My name is Katie Winton. And I'm Tanya Ali. Agenda on FBI Radio is broadcast on Gadigal land and I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people as the original custodians of the land we broadcast on and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Uh, I also acknowledge the significance of Redfern as a place of strength, resistance, knowledge sharing and storytelling for many communities and would like to honour that history. So coming up on Agenda today, we'll be chatting to some pretty exciting guests, Zachariah Fielding and Michael Ross from an incredible band called The Electric Fields. They're playing Sydney Opera House tomorrow for Vivid Live with Curran for a First Nations studio party. Uh, and friend of Agenda, Ali Murphy-Oates, introduced me to The Electric Fields last year when she recommended Nina as a song that helps her deal with creative burnout. And for me, it like unlocked this whole repertoire of amazing music by The Electric Fields that I'd never heard before. And I'm just really excited to talk to them today. Yeah, I was so excited. Um, Agenda family member Oni Blue spoke to Filipina uh, artist Eme, whose work engages with ideas of personal, social and cultural matters through a participatory practice. Eme is holding a series of events calling on their Kapwa, Filipinex, Filipino and Filipina communities to share in dialogue about the process of decolonization and Oni spoke to them about the first event coming up. Stay tuned for that in about 10 minutes time. Also today, our resident astrologer, Nikki Liakos, has done some research on Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's star signs in light of the royal wedding, which I have to admit, I didn't watch. I saw some highlights in a highlights reel, but I couldn't bring myself to sit through hours of PR for the monarchy, um, <laughs> for marriage that I, you know, like fundamentally kind of don't believe in anyway. Um, but I think I've probably watched Love Actually one too many times because I definitely had a few tears in the highlights reel when they were like, when the choir was singing. Um, so I guess I'm like constantly fighting my hopeless romantic nature with my opposition to marriage. I feel that so much. It is an eternal struggle. Um, I I love a good wedding, um, but to be honest, there was something about the royal wedding that didn't really do it for me. Um, I actually went to a royal wedding party, which is the only reason I watched any of it. Um, and my highlight was all of the crowd shots. Um, we saw Marcus Mumford and Carrie Mulligan, who I didn't realize were still together, but I was excited. Um, a very bored looking Serena Williams. And even James Blunt was there, which made me cackle. <laughs> um, and we were all really surprised at how long the kiss took to happen. Like it didn't happen at the usual time that it happens in a wedding. Um, But overall, I just feel like there was no real heart to it. I don't know. But that could also just be because we were watching it on a screen. Because <laughs> their wedding is like the most public thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was also pretty conflicted about the notion that Megan's choice to walk down the aisle solo was like a bold feminist statement. I mean... Uh, I understand that it's the crown that we're talking about. So it's an ancient institution that has really clung to tradition over the centuries. But I think that, you know, being part of a wedding, no matter how royal it is, doesn't really eradicate the patriarchal history of marriage. 
Um, There's a great article that came out this week on the LGBTQI plus news site, Them, titled What Would Happen If the Royal Wedding Were Gay, written by John Paul Brammer. It details how British rules surrounding nobility and titles may soon change and goes through how non-traditional family structures would affect the monarch, royal inheritance and royal titles. Yeah, it's a really great read. We'll pop a link to that one up on our agenda show page. Just head to fbiradio.com slash programs and click on agenda to read more. Uh, Them is a really great site and has a lot of great content, so definitely check that one out. Uh, In other news, Backchat talked about the bill to introduce safe access zones around abortion clinics in New South Wales, uh, which has passed in the Upper House, just passed on Thursday. If you did miss Backchat this morning, the bill aims to make it safer for those accessing reproductive health clinics across New South Wales by imposing a 150-metre exclusion zone around the clinic, meaning anyone caught harassing people inside these zones could face heavy penalties, including jail time. Which is huge, and I guess that is a really positive step Uh, as part of a much bigger problem. So abortion is still illegal in both New South Wales and Queensland. um, And this bill, unlike others introduced in the past, doesn't actually try and change that. So, you know, uh, kind of one step forward, two steps back, I Mm. guess. Uh, But this bill, unlike others introduced... As I mentioned, yeah, it doesn't aim to change it. Also, it seems like a really big week globally for reproductive rights. Ireland has voted by a landslide margin to change the constitution so that abortion can be legalised in Ireland. Um, so according to an exit poll conducted for the Irish Times, it, the poll suggests that the margin of victory for the yes side in the referendum will be 68% to 32%. And I think that one of the most heartwarming parts of this news was that so many Irish expats flew home to participate in the poll. So that was like a really nice so, little kind so of, lovely. Yeah, bit of information. Yes, um, okay, also, uh, Eminem and Nicki Minaj are potentially dating. Okay, so this is the biggest news of the show. Uh, what happened? Okay, so full disclosure, I saw this in a Twitter headline last night, which is not the most reliable source at the best of times. But I have done a little bit of digging, and rumours sparked from a line in Nicki's latest single, Barbie Tings, where she raps, I'm still fly, just bagged a white guy, which is pretty vague. Couldn't mean anything. Um, but then on her new collaboration with YG, Big Bank, um, she raps, told them I met Slim Shady, bag the M, once he go black, he'll be back again. And then after that, a fan <laughs> jumped on Instagram to ask Nikki directly, you dating Eminem? And Nikki simply <laughs> replied, yes. <laughs> Full stop. Um, but I feel like she could maybe just be trolling us. I hope you're trolling us, Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah, just the yes with a full stop kind yeah. of implied that it was a joke. Yeah. Anyway, time will tell. Totally. Um, in other news, uh, one of my all-time favourite musicians and feminists, Lizzo, went on the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, which I haven't watched yet, so please nobody ruin it for me <laughs> because I love Lizzo so much. Oh, that'll be such a good one to watch. Um, and Cardi B dropped a film clip this week for Be Careful, directed by Jorah Francis. Uh, it follows Cardi as she marries a man in the desert before burying him later <laughs> into the clip. She's styled in this huge wedding gown, complete with layers of diamonds and has these long pink nails. Aesthetically, it's incredible and so, so powerful. Um, it's also one of my favourite songs from her debut album, Invasion of Privacy. And I think it's I think it's actually totally the same vibes as Beyonce in Hold Up, where she's like walking down the street, smashing car windows in her yellow dress. It's very iconic and um, it has this very calm rage about it. It's kind of this like 
don't mess with me attitude, which I have to say I've definitely been feeling this week. (laughs) (laughs) Stick around after this to hear about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's star signs and what the planets were doing during the royal wedding with Nikki Liakos for her astrology segment. You're listening to FBI Radio. This is Cardi B. Language joining on this one. Like the curry, Steph and Aisha shit, but we more like Belly, Tommy and Keisha shit. Gave you TLC, you wanna creep and shit. Pulled out my whole heart to a piece of shit. Man, I thought you woulda learned your lesson. About liking pictures, not returning texts. I guess it's fine, man. I get the message. You still stutter after certain questions. You keep in contact with certain exes. Do you though? Trust me, nigga, it's cool though. Said that you was working, but you out here chasing culo and putas, chilling poolside, living two lives. I could've did what you did to me to you a few times, but if I did decide to slide, find a nigga, fuck him, suck his dick. You would've been pissed, but that's not my MO. I'm not that type of bitch. And karma for you is gonna be who you end up with. Don't make me sick, nigga. I adore. I gave you everything, was mine, is yours. I want you to live your life, of course. But I hope you get what you're dying for. Be careful with me. Do you know what you're doing? Whose feelings that you're hurting and bruising? You gon' get the whole. With the girl that you lose and be careful with me Yeah, it's not a threat, it's a warning Be careful with me Yeah, my heart is like a package With a fragile label on it Be careful with me Guess you acting now, now you got an audience Tell me where your mind is, drop a pen, what's the coordinates? You might have a fortune, but you lose me, you still gonna be misfortunate, nigga Tell me, this lust got you this fucked up in the head? You want some random bitch up in your bed? She don't even know your middle name, watch her, cause she might steal your chain You don't want someone who love you instead? I guess not though, it's blame, disrespect You nothing like the nigga I met Talk to me crazy and you quick to forget You even got me tripping You got me looking in the mirror different Thinking I'm flawed because you inconsistent Between a rock and a hard place The mud and the dirt It's gonna hurt me to hate you But loving you's worse It all stopped so abrupt You started switching it up Teach me to be like you So I cannot give a fuck Free to mess with someone else I wish these feelings could melt Cause you don't care about a thing Except your motherfucking self You make me sick I adore I gave you everything was mine is yours I want you to live your life, of course But I hope you get what you're dying for Be careful with me Do you know what you're doing? Who's feelings that you're hurting and bruising? You gon' gain the whole world, but is it worth the girl that you lose and Be careful with me Yeah, it's not a threat, it's a warning Be careful with me yeah. My heart is like a package with a fragile label on it. Be careful with me. 
You're listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. That was Cardi B with Be Careful. I think we're all feeling Be Careful vibes oh, in gosh. the <laughs> studio today. Uh, and we're joined now by resident astrology expert, Nikki Liakos. Hi, hey, Nikki. Hey, I hate to bring this up. I know you already brought it up, but <laughs> the royal wedding. Oh, <laughs> tell us. Um, it's very Uranus and Taurus. And if you missed out on what that meant, I did mention it on last week's show. Think revolutionising or revamping the status quo. Megan is a Leo and she's the first person of colour to be a royal and that charismatic bishop. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I was just, I just watched the bishop and I was just living for the bishop because it was sort of like really in your face to the royals with that bishop, I think at least, because he just dragged it. He spoke for like 10, 15 minutes or something, a lot longer than anyone expected. So yeah, love it. Yeah, well, Uranus is a planet of rebellion and it was having a moment. (laughs) So... Leos are described as bold, wanting to be in the spotlight and loving royalty, which is interesting as I was reading an article the other day reporting on how Megan said she would be interested in presidency. Um, Screaming Leo to me and anyone who is wondering, Harry is a Libra and I personally do think air and fire signs are compatible, even though astrology does say stick within your element. I personally feel... Air, fire, you know, um, air catches onto fire and, I don't know, sort of makes it more exciting. So I think they're a good match, personally. Um, What else is going on right now? We're officially finished with Taurus season, thank God. Um, And (laughs) we're moving fast into Gemini season, which means that the sun is now in the constellation of Gemini. As we know, Gemini rules communication. So communicating to yourself, figuring out what's working and what's not working and renegotiating that if you need to. Gemini is a sign of duality and versatility. So many people hold misconceptions about Gemini's and Gemini season Um, but I personally think it's going to be an easier month than Taurus's. Gemini allows us to be light-hearted and airy as it is an air sign where we are able to focus on different directions at once rather than being fixed on one path that might not be working out for us as associated with stubbornness and security that we were feeling in Taurus season. Um, On top of this, the planet Venus is currently in the constellation of Cancer, otherwise known as Venus in Cancer. Um, If you're feeling emotional or wanting to be a hermit right now, it's thanks to this. Um, But with this aspect, we can all evaluate our core needs, emotional needs and break out of our crab shell to confront vulnerability. So, Tanya, does this (laughs) ring true? (laughs) I know you are a Cancer and we did speak earlier about you exploring your natal chart and finding out your Venus was in Cancer as well. Yes. Um, I want to know what your findings were and how they resonate with you. Um, Well, uh, Venus in Cancer, from my uh, limited understanding of it, um, is just like... It's super, when I was reading it, I was like, yes, this is me, but also it's so boring. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, you know, um, they like commitment and yeah. predictability, like yeah. um, super sensitive in love and like obsessed with feelings, which is true. <laughs> <laughs> what source um, did you go to? So I just went to um, Cafe Astrology, yeah, I think. Cafe Astrology. Yeah. Com. yeah. yeah. 
that's where I did my chat. Most of my aspects are in Cancer. Um, wow. So yeah, there's so a lot. Are you going a double Cancer? Do you know if your moon is? In no, cancer? my moon is Aries. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I really went deep this week. Um, I just feel like astrology just kept coming up for me, and oh, I was wow. like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean into this big time. <laughs> and how do you feel through digging through your natal chart? Uh, well, as a true Cancer, I feel quite attacked. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of want to like go back into up. your shell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think having Venus in Cancer like was it just makes so much sense to me. So yeah, Venus in Cancer to me just means really boring and like <laughs> classic relationship stuff. Super moody. Um, this I'm just reading like what I sent to my friend <laughs> when I found out. Um, so I can be a little moody in love and like give silent treatments to get attention, which is <laughs> like not tr- super true, but also you know you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Uh, so yeah, that's that's me. But what does it mean that Venus is in Cancer right now? So the Venus sign represents, oh, as in right now? Yeah. So, yeah, it just means that the planet Venus is in the constellation of Cancer, like in the sky, the planetary movements right now. So that's what the planets are doing. And then as we know from characteristics of Cancer and characteristics of Venus, Venus ruling like love, relationships, intimacy, and then Cancer ruling emotions, sensitivity, wanting to be affectionate, that's what we can like sort of gather from those right. planetary aspects and the characteristics from astrology. Got it. Cool. <laughs> I feel like astrology is definitely having a moment. At the, yes. I saw it. Okay. I saw it in a go get newsletter the wow. other day. It was like, <laughs> seriously, big. it was like the astrology associated with like how different people drive, like how different star signs oh drive gosh. and how it will affect your go get membership. <laughs> oh so, my God. I'm just saying we're on trend here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, if you have any I thoughts. I was on trend in year 10. <laughs> Nikki's always been on trend. (laughs) Um, If you have any thoughts on the royal wedding, uh, please text us 0409 945 945. And up next, we'll be hearing from a gender family member, Oni Blue, who chatted to Philippinex artist M.A. about a series of events exploring personal, social and cultural matters through a participatory practice. Super excited to hear about that. And this is from the brand new EP of the same name, Student Archives with Sync. You're on Agenda on FBI Radio.
I make work about uh, uh, my personal experiences um, with, you know, queerness, identity. Mm. Um, right now, I'm getting into culture yeah. a lot more and um, re re remembering, reconnecting um, with um, my historical and cultural past. So, what are your feelings around like queerness and how it relates to, I guess, your identity and work that you're making um for me i don't know queerness is like my personal experience so yeah. it always bleeds through yeah. whatever i'm doing yeah. anyway um and with this yeah we're we're welcoming um pretty much everyone all walks of yeah. life of philippine philippines descent um so there will be a lot of queer yeah um, and I'm, I can't wait because I don't really know or have met many yeah. of, um, I mean, Benji. Benji, yeah. What do you think about, um, I guess, I think a lot of sort of queer and trans people have that sort of experience of like, um, like needing to be away from family to learn stuff about yourself. And I feel like you kind of had that experience. But what is it like specifically for you to be away and learn stuff, but also then wanting to return back? Mm. Um. Yeah. Um, okay. So when I was nineteen, actually, I ran away from home. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been uh, I've been running away so many times. Yeah. Eighteen, nineteen, and it was the time where I was actually um, coming out. Yeah. Like to myself. Yeah. As well as um, no, it was actually only to myself. Mm. <laughs> and then that's I started, the most important, though. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, and then we actually went back when I was. Eight, yeah, eighteen, nineteen. Me and my sister went back to the Philippines, and yeah. in, uh, at home in the Philippines at Tenehero, I actually accepted myself. Mm. But it was like more because I was very Catholic. Yeah. Uh, back then too, so it was yeah. kind of like this uh, amazing. I went home. I was like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And then I found out about coming full circle. Um, then when those are struggles. Yeah. Um, book. 
and it just changed. Like it, it was, my mindset was very. I, I was, I would say, I'm like a feminist and activist, but it was more like Western yeah. knowledge yeah. that was fed into me. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in the Philippines, we had to learn English. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, all my influences were Western. Actually, my first thought was when we went to London, um, and Lola, who's an amazing, uh, amazing um, person, was like, oh, "Well, I don't associate with you know the fe feminist movement because yeah. it was never for you yeah. know black people." Yeah. And I was just like, you know, it made me rethink. Yeah about um i mean i thought about it before yeah but then i'm so into yeah. the history especially going through art yeah. school yeah um you only see yeah, yeah the the canon white uh feminists what has your work been about previously and like what is the progression from what you were making before and like what you're making now when i was 19 i was doing uh photography yeah. and portraiture actually yeah. um well, the first series I did nudes. Mm. That was like my first like legit series in yeah. the university context. Yeah, um, that was really fun. Yeah, as well. Um, so it was like gay, queer men. Mm. Um, and then when I went to uni, uh, started to experiment with a lot more stuff. I mean, prior uh, CDTC, mm. prior nineteen, I was doing collage work. Yeah, uh, high school and illustration like yeah. Beyonce. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, uh, so that sensibility, like of like feminist. Mm. I mean, I was gonna do like this shoe, um, like very femme work, and I was gonna do like domestic violence drawings mm. on them. But then I was like, nah, I'm gonna do Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that kind of uh, sensibility always was innate me in me. Mm. But then you know, I think about now as well. Yeah. With my mom, mm. uh, back in the Philippines, she was she worked for the mayor. Yeah. So she was. Uh, you know, throwing these community events mm. always and okay. stars and stuff yeah. like that. So um, now I'm kind of like sort of channeling, mm. you know, we're doing sort of the same thing, but yeah. through different kind of worlds. But it's interesting yeah. to see like what you as an artist over this time and mm. you really, all of your work has been this unpacking, like, yes! you're like, is yes. it about like queerness and, and gayness? Is it around um, people of colour and like representation? Is it around... Um, gender much. identity, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, much. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. transness, and and then now it's like really like family and community and decolonization and like yeah, that's that's exactly pretty much what yeah what my progression is. So why don't you talk about the new work, the work that you're currently doing? Okay, um, so the work is called Usapan Saramesa. <clears throat> it translates to English as table talk. Mm. Um, so table talk is like the term we use. Me and my um, Family, family is in not you know really immediate like mm. uh, queer family you know yeah um, we we pretty much gather in like a circle mm. and uh, pretty much we unpack and um, we talk about our experience and issues of the world and you know how it affects us all that mm. stuff and so we're pretty much doing that but through the framework of decolonization um, through Strobel's work uh, book. And um, it, it talks about how, you know, what decolonization is for Filipino um, or Philippines experiences mm -hmm. and how we can draw from our, you know, knowing our history, first of all, mm -hmm. our, like, you know, full history. Yeah. Um, 
what happened to our original people mm. you know that, that that pretty much if you if there's a missing mm. piece in your history yeah or, and the thing is for me i don't really associate with catholicism yeah um i've learned <laughs> um so i uh i actually associate with the society we had prior colonization yeah and i'm drawing strength from that so like Babai lands and the Bantus yeah and our um community um so what does the actual event look like like what what are you making for it what does it like what will the night or day be like what what should people expect okay. um so at the night we're gonna focus on um the buddha fight mm-hmm. so yeah i didn't even know it was called buddha fight until my mom's like you know that, that's called buddha fight I, I knew about it yeah but i didn't know the actual word. word yeah um so that's cool so i'm getting knowledge from my mom and so cute yeah and uh so uh it's a tradition that we um have we still do mm. it like yeah. randomly um so banana leaves uh are on top of the, the table and we eat on the banana leaves itself as well and with our hands cute yeah um it's it's funny because uh when i talk about it it's kind of dressing and unpacking like a uh, memory like um i someone's like oh you don't know how to use a chopstick and i'm just like i've never actually had to use a chopstick yeah it's not part of my culture no. like okay okay back to the night back to the night are you are you going to be making food who makes the food like oh, where yes, does the food yes, come see? from are you making oh, some dishes for the food <laughs> uh, okay uh, yes so i'll be um i'll be making i've been making um ceramic vessels mm-hmm. um for the event uh so I'm I'm kind of urging or encouraging people to um cook their favorite traditional food because mm-hmm. um every everyone has a different way mm-hmm. um different regions different uh, barangays have a different way of cooking let's say sinigang mm. there's so many different ways that we have sinigang in different areas so um being in the diaspora that's why it's kind of amazing is that we get um You, you never know where anyone is from so mm. bringing everyone in and having um them you know cook and be proud of that i mean it's amazing <laughs> uh but yeah and so so when is your so there's going to be multiple events here yeah. so when is your first event so taking place first event is in june 1st 6 to 9 p.m at newtown neighborhood center um so this initial event is for philippines descent only as well as the second one August 3rd. Yeah. But we are opening um the doors up uh at October 5th for um non-Philippines descent yeah. to um come in and join in the Buddha fight and have the unpacking and reflecting session with us. So we will be talking about uh decolonization more in a global sort of mm. sense pretty much in the diaspora. Exciting that sounds so good. Thank you. That was Oni Blue chatting to Philippinex artist Emma about a series of events exploring personal, social and cultural matters through a participatory practice. Philippinex gatherings will be happening on June 1st and August 3rd, followed by a day for people of non-Philippinex descent to join in in a more global context of decolonization on the 5th of October. So do save those dates. Yeah, that was such a beautiful interview. I'm really uh, it was really 
lovely to listen to. Uh, so thank you so much to Oni and Eme. Stick around because we'll be hearing from Electric Fields, two feminine brothers who are uniting ancient Anagu culture with uh, modern electronica and soul. We're talking to them right after this track from Gen Champion. This is Time to Regulate.
That was Jen Champion with Regulate, and we're joined in the studio now by Zachariah Fielding and Michael Ross, also known as Electric Fields, ahead of their performance tomorrow night with Curran as part of Vivid Sydney. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Um, (laughs) Can you tell us about how your collaborative relationship started? Was it something that came naturally? Yeah, actually, it was kind of... um you know, I mean, what's an accident? What's a coincidence? What's, you know, a part of the magical poetry of, you know, the everyday? But basically, um, Zachariah called me after we'd worked together seven years before, and then he called me and said, Can we start working again? And I was like, Of course. But um, we did not anticipate the brand new energy that started to form the second time around which was about you know three years ago now Mm -hmm. um that's when electric fields energy was born and a lot of your music or a lot of the electric fields music uh incorporates zachariah singing in language and kind of also integrates electronic production um and i'm wondering how you approach incorporating these two elements of your practice both of you is it something yeah again that kind of just comes naturally or do you kind of navigate how to Mm. Well, when we were in the studio, everything was done in English. We were just trying to... To begin with. Yeah, to begin with Mm. with pop sound and pop music and just trying to pop it out. But then... Um, was it Shade Away? It was, We yeah. had this conversation all the time, but like, it, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. like, was it Shade Away? But yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, um, that just happened. It was, it, it wanted to come out in the studio, so we just ran with it. And then we kind of loved the feel of having um, animal language in pop music. And then we just, you know, um, ran with it and, you know, was honest with all the other language songs that are on the EP and the ones that are soon to come out soon. But um, Mm. it's just really, it wasn't, we didn't do it on purpose. It just Mm. happened. But to have that ancient kind of um, language with English um, is a kind of beautiful match because I have problems, you know, understanding the English language and the concept of everything and how English has a lot to answer for, I believe. You know, it just really confuses me because it's not a part of my birthrights. It's mm. not um, something I understand because in my language it's very direct. It's very yes or no. But in English they can set you up and, like, have you go in their maze because they've already set you up. They know what that language is very dangerous for me so I'm just really happy that you know with electric fields we can um have English and animal language come together in equal and that you know this language isn't more powerful than mine you know I have a system that I come from and I was robbed of it and we only work with what we have but um we're happy with that and I'm just no you're right but I've got to say though I mean I've I mean, well, I don't know, when you started writing songs, when did you start writing songs? As a child or? As a child, but the, a lot of it was, you know, just humming in, oh, like, animal language in, in that uh, rhythmic thing, the the chanty kind of sounds, but mm. then listening to the rage music and then started just making words up with English, but it didn't fit because, like, it didn't match with what I felt in English that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say about that is, um, 
So roughly like, yeah. 15 years old, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but basically, like, what I love about when Zachariah and I write songs together, because, I mean, I've been writing songs since I was literally five years old, and the only language that I know is English. So, well, it's just, it's what I, it's the only way to communicate verbally that I know, you know, on a language form. But when Z and I write together, he gives me life because the way, like, if we'll be talking about something and he'll just find a new way to say something and then I'll match it with something that... And then we we literally play tennis with English and Anangor language. So I get to be, you know, um, the the Venus Williams of English and he gets to be the Serena Williams of Anangor language. <laughs> and, you know, and all of a sudden we're family. Yes. <laughs> Um, you're both actually graduates of the X Factor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had to bring that I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, switch off. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't realise until this morning, yeah. actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. How, how yeah. was that experience for both of you? Just briefly, you don't have to go into it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll just let you know, honestly, for me personally, I had a very beautiful experience. And I think I was very lucky to have a beautiful experience. Um, but basically, you look, I'm a gay guy that got to perform for Kylie and Danny Minogue. Need I say more? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, really glad that you've both kind of come leaps and bounds from that experience. And Zachariah, I guess you've spoken before about learning or about kind of the process of embracing your androgynous vocal style. Mm. Um, and I was just wondering, was there anything in particular that maybe helped with that? Especially, yeah, yeah. This experience with electric fields mm. is helping me, you know, discover new parts of me and how to project with my um, vocals and with my audience. So it changes all the time, and I forget how to capture um, stuff that I like. But um, yeah, I'm still evolving and growing in the um, whole androgynous type of sound that I'm developing <laughs> well, you yeah. know what you know? I think it's just you're just being 100% yourself yeah, yeah. and, and being in the moment be you know like it's just so hard to I yeah. describe I, I guess it's an interesting um, category to put onto a musical style as well because it kind of it categorizes gender in terms of sound which is yeah. I guess a dangerous way or a yeah. dangerous kind see of, that's English I don't, I don't yeah. switch off when people try to label things yeah. I'm just like whatever just let me live yeah. my, let me <laughs> feel my eyes pass yeah. well we actually have like a little um byline a little sub line that we you know our, our sort of motto which we never say in public until today but <laughs> No, but it's basically yeah. <laughs> but basically, it's um, bypass the barriers. So, you know, and I used to work in the disability arts community, and basically, you know, disability is not the impairment; it's the barrier within society. So it's not my legs not working. That's not my disability. Your stairs mm. are disabling me, mm. and so it's just. Basically, there's all these barriers, and I, and I know what it is like to ram my head against Bessa brick walls, um, figuratively, and 
when you bypass the barriers, you just fly over the top of them and say, babe, I don't need to break your rules because they don't apply. And I, yeah, done. <laughs> Solved. <laughs> Mic drop. <Yeah. laughs> um, just quickly, we'd love to talk uh, to you about the influence of Nina Simone on your music. We're, we're going to play a track called Nina next. Oh. So, yeah, how, how has Nina Simone influenced your music? Well, Muller, I think it's like a I should answer that one. Yeah, well, when it, uh, what happened to Nina Simone, it, um, appeared on Netflix and it was a really cold day and I was you know emotionally drained I was like you know I was impatient with what was oh, happening yeah. with our music yeah. and just wanting to be heard and then I played the um the the what happened to Nina Simone and the it opened up with the interview and it just spoke to me spiritually and I was just like okay I gotta we could do something because I just kept replaying the interview. So I had this, like, it felt like she was spiritually calling for me to do something. And so I got Michael and then we just ran with it. But I listened. I was listening to what was in the interview. I felt it and I wanted to, you know, jump on the bandwagon of that, of what she was saying. And then we just did the chords, created the melody and put it in... It was about two track, two um, tracks we did, eh? Like two takes. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, we at the time we were sort of writing another song ish, where when our creativity was sort of turning into a type of um, beautiful eruption, we were just like, "How are we getting away with this? Like, mm. how do we get? How are we?" So yeah, we lucky? already had something written on that the melody. Yeah. Of Nino. Yeah, and yeah. then Z brought the interview in, and I was like, "Well, why don't we just transcribe the interview verbatim? Why don't you just sing her words? They can be the verse, and then we'll use this chorus, this other one, which the lyrics were, "How are we getting away with this? Now mm. we're getting away with mm. this." And then we're like, "Well, hang on, why don't we change it to?" how Nina Simone it is, now we're Nina Simoning it. Mm. And it was just one of those moments. And then Z, honestly, you probably did two takes, but you wouldn't have needed to. Yeah. And just sang from the absolute belly of the soul. Yeah. And, I mean, you hear it. Yeah. And you hear it in the yeah, recording. Definitely. And you hear it every time Zachary does it live too. In fact, we should share what happened at Yarbin. Yarbin oh, Festival. Yeah. So Yarbin's on January 26th. And um, we were here in Sydney, and um, it's the biggest survival day in Australia. And we were doing... Well, we weren't going to do Nina, but mm. the audience was so beautiful, and they were listening so intently. And I was like, Mala, let's do Nina. So Zachariah starts singing Nina Simone, or Nina, it is called Nina. It was not only just... Ugh, God, you have to be there, but just before the moment where Zachariah brings out the lioness and, and says, no fear, or the hundreds and hundreds, you know this. Yeah. What, no, no, you already know, yeah. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of birds started squawking and they jumped out of the trees and flew over the crowd. And Zachariah looks up and, no fear, and the birds and everyone just looks up in the sky to see all these birds flying against the grey sky. And it was just this moment of like, holy shit, like even the animals are listening. <laughs> 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 
Were you there? No, I, I was there. I Yeah, I was there and then I had to go to work. <laughs> Which is a very devastating come down to that story. But well, one of my beautiful friends was actually there for the gig. So relayed the story to me and was like, it was the most magical thing she said that she'd ever seen. So... Yeah. Mm. Can we take a listen? To yes, <laughs> let's do that. Uh, stick around for more on Electric Fields' upcoming show tonight. But this is that very track, Nina. Everybody's half dead. Everybody. A voice, everybody. Most all of the time Freedom is to me 
enough to be joined by Electric Fields in the studio and we were just talking about a moment where they performed that song that you just heard Nina uh, live at Yabun festival we got a couple of texts in um, one of them says yes Electric Fields I was there for Yabun thousands of birds flew over and I literally had tears love from Cat D and oh, we had another you. one saying that moment at Yabun was the most special moment in music I have ever seen oh. thank you for opening yourself up Straight from the Soul, Brooklyn from Redfern. Love you guys. <laughs> I feel wow. like we should just end on that. That's such a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful messages. Um, oh, wow. So tomorrow uh, night's show, uh, we're both really excited about, um, and we kind of were reading about how it's a celebration of the anniversary of the '67 referendum, and we were just wanting to end on asking you, I guess, what that means in the context of the show for you as musicians. Yeah. Do you want to say? Oh, I mean, uh, well, look, um, it's been 51 years since the referendum, and, I mean, the people that worked to make that referendum ha- happen had to, you know, crawl through broken glass. I mean, they had to work so very, very, very hard, and it's such it's a, a giant uphill battle, you know, to kind of find a way to equality and just the truth and just respect and, and all of the above. So... I think it's intensely special and I think it's also um, a really positive framing to actually see original Australian culture and current new, you know, the culture that we now have actually in harmony with all the truth on the table and that to be woven into a beautiful, colourful tapestry of harmony is a very positive perspective and it's certainly our hope for what Australia could look like one day. Absolutely. That's so beautiful and a wonderful note to end on. Thank you both so much for coming in today. Uh, you can catch Electric Fields live alongside Kurin at the Sydney Opera House tomorrow night, May 27. Uh, and you have been listening to Agenda. On FBI Radio, this is Milan Ring's new track, Obscured, so please stick around for weekend lunch right after this with Carolina de la Piedra.
Another bodies we kept there. 